And welcome in to this week's edition of Broadcaster Hour. I'm Roger Hoover alongside Kyle Crooks. And in the center of the screen, we've got Kevin Burkhardt of Fox Sports. And, you know, Kevin, already on this show, we have had a couple of University of Tennessee graduates, my alma mater. So it's about time we head to William Patterson University in Wayne, New Jersey, and have an alma mater and an alum of uh, Kyle's alma mater on. We're definitely glad to have you on today, Kevin. Yo, listen, I appreciate it. Kyle and I have to represent, you know, I mean, like we have to, we, we go back to our, we got to represent North Jersey here for the, the, the little guys like William Patterson, which is a great place. And obviously that's how Kyle and I connected uh, years back. So it, it's good to represent Willie P. Right, Kyle? That's right. Go Pioneers. And, and Kevin, I, I did a lot of radio play by play. I did a lot of, you know, football, basketball, baseball, softball for you. It, when you were at Willie P, what were the sports that you were covering? I'm sure those basic ones. Were you doing some other sports as well? I know you're doing a lot of TV play-by-play back then. Yeah, we did. I mean, you know, the major ones uh, for the most part. You know, we did women's and men's basketball. We did baseball, a little bit of softball, um, you know, football, obviously. Those were the main ones. And, and then we did, um, you know, the big thing then when I was there, we had this show called Newsline, which was on – um, can't remember if it was once or twice a week, but you know, it was like a news, uh, it, it was like a news program, you know, and we had, uh, John Rhodes, who was, you know, a, you know, a producer at MSNBC helping us run it. We had, we had so many good people behind the scenes, as you know, who helped us learn. That's what was great about the school is a small school, but so many really good people who were in the industry who would teach there or assist there, um, running those programs. So we did mostly the main sports when I was there and, um, you know, ironically, I didn't I didn't get back into television, uh, you know, for a long time after that. I mean, it was like I, my, my journey after William Patterson was radio. So it's just funny. You never know how things are going to kind of work out. It's why you kind of have to kind of be, you know, open to doing different stuff, I think. Is that where you fell in love with it at William Patterson? Or did you have an idea in high school that you wanted to be a broadcaster? And were you were you one of those people like me that kind of just hung around the radio station 24 hours a day or hung around the TV station 24 hours a day? Yeah, I did. I mean, I, I did have an idea in high school, but, you know, it wasn't. A, I mean, it, I definitely had a thought. That's what I wanted to do. I mean, I did like on local access. We would do our high school football games. You know, it was one camera, uh, me and another buddy and a mic. You know, that's what we had. And um, but that was the start. And, you know, I would do that. I would do like play by play on uh, Nintendo games when I was younger uh, all the time. So, yeah, I definitely had an idea. But when I went there, it was, um, you know, honestly, it was just better than I thought it would be. I mean, the, the community, as you know, um, they're so tight knit. Everybody, you know, hanging around the radio station, the TV station, that's all they wanted to do. And you became a family, right? And everybody's working their tail off to make it fun and to make it good. So, I mean, that was that was school, basically. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that was a great that was a great opportunity uh, and just learned a lot from a lot of good, smart people and realized how much farther I had to go to be any good <laughs> as well. And for you, after your days at Willie P were done, what were some of the steps you took in broadcasting? And as you've talked about before, it was a longer road for you than maybe some other broadcasters. Yeah, I went I, I went exclusively into radio after that. I mean, I, um, I got a job at a small radio station actually right down the road from William Patterson, this place called WGHT. It was an afternoon daytime radio station, which... You know, unfortunately, that station doesn't exist anymore. And, you know, most don't, you know, in our time right now, it's 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 hard to find the small TV and radio station because they're all conglomerates, which is a bummer because got to do everything there. I mean, I did, you know, high school sports, promotions, sales. I did I, I did it 
I mean, I got I got my hand in everything because there weren't that many people that worked there. Um, so yeah, I went the the small radio route, and um, you know, I, I just kept knocking on doors like a lot of us, right? So I, I was there for a long time. And then I had some side gigs. I did minor league baseball uh, for a while. Roger, I know, obviously, you've been down that route, and um, you know, just anything that would come along the way, but mostly radio stuff and. Um, yeah, I didn't get into TV. You know, I, I started. I wanted to get into TV, but I finally got back into TV, dabbling a little bit for SNY as uh, as a part time thing in New York, and then that actually led to um, that actually led to um, you know the Mets job when that uh, that became available. So, um, you know, I kind of went the circuitous route, you know, knocking on doors and doing any radio gig I could find. But I think it made me better along the way. So. And also in that time, even some time as a car salesman, keeping your broadcasting dreams alive during that time, just what do you remember about trying to grind plus also trying to provide for yourself and your family? Well, that's, yeah, it was, it was all that, right? I mean, I'm sure we've all been there. You have those moments of doubt of like, what are you doing? You know, you had, I had a bunch of friends who were, you know, had really good jobs and making a ton of money in, in New York and in different fields. And I'm, you know, making 17 grand a year. And I'm just like, what am I doing exactly? You know, you start to doubt yourself. So um, yeah, after a long time, I guess it was about eight years in, um, I just quit and just went to sell cars. It was kind of a rando thing. I put my finger in the middle of the Sunday newspaper um, in, in the classified ads and said, I'm going to I, my, my finger landed on a car dealership and I went in and I got that job and I started selling cars, but it was, it was great motivation to learn. It, it just, just learn something about yourself. Like it, it you know, it kind of it enabled me to take a step back and then, and then just realize what I really wanted to do. You know, when you're selling a car, you're not going to sell a car if you don't ask for what you want or you don't, you know, um, you know, have the skills to deal with people and things like that. I mean, it was always, I think a sociable person, that wasn't the issue, but it, I, I, I just started asking for what I wanted and you know, that doesn't always work, but it, it's not a bad route to go. The most, the worst that people could tell you is no. And I, I don't think I ever really did that before, you know, I'm um, just being a little bit more forceful because I was confident in my ability. So while I was there, I actually ended up getting back in the business and doing some, um, some stuff for CBS radio and then WFAN and, it was the best thing that happened to me. I don't, I, you know, I don't, I wouldn't be here without that experience, uh, without that step back and kind of reassess where I was. And it gave me the motivation. Um, and it just, you know, certain core values that I had to kind of reexamine while I was there. Um, you know, you're kind of down and out and you have to figure out your life a little bit and what you want. So not to be too philosophical, but it was, um, it was a pretty big moment in my life. So then you, you finally get your foot in the door once again at, at CBS Radio. Uh, how do you, once you get into that door, how do you continue to build momentum? You eventually get the Jets beat reporter job and, and then to SNY. It just seemed like everything started to snowball rather fast once you got to CBS Radio. Yeah, I think it was a matter of just people hearing me. You know, when I'm, you know, when you're working at smaller places, it's hard for people to hear you. They don't, they don't hear you. You know, when you're working at a thousand watt daytime radio station and uh, doing minor league baseball necessarily, and um, so you know, it's just a matter of I started getting some part time stuff. I had the full time car job, and luckily my my boss there would let me out to do gigs when I got them. 
And then, you know, once you're on those places, like those places have massive listeners. So then, you know, people hear you and be like, all right, this guy's pretty decent. Uh, maybe you will give him some more shifts. And maybe, you know, when now when I call and ask about a resume uh, that I sent out, they'll actually take 10 seconds to uh, answer the call, you know, or answer the email. So um, it's all one of those things, like what becomes first, you know, the, the chicken or the egg, right? It's like when you're sending out your stuff and you're trying to just get somebody to respond, even to tell you that you suck, um, just to get, just to get attention from somebody, what, you know, good or bad. So I think the beauty of it was I was doing the car thing full time, but I, I had, I started to get those part-time things at, at, at those bigger places and people finally heard it. So, you know, now it was like, oh, okay, like, yeah, you've got, you've got some talent. Let's, when this opportunity comes on, maybe we'll try on that. So, and then things did start to get rolling. So it took a long time, but I think, you know, it's always the thing. You just need one door to open, right? And then when that door opens, can you actually go through it and do what you got to do? So I think for me, it's just the door finally opened. I had some good people that helped me along the way. And luckily, I didn't mess it up too bad, essentially. So then SNY and the Mets job comes about as their clubhouse reporter. You were there for a long time. What, what was that audition process like for you? And were you stunned when you got that job? Or was it something that maybe you were expecting at that point in your career? I didn't audition for it um, because I was working, you know, kind of part time for SNY. I mean, not really part time. I'd done some stuff freelance for them, um, some stuff for the Jets while I was covering the Jets for WFAN. They had, uh, I'd gone on their jet shows. I'd done some things for them. And, you know, Chris Cotter, the first year of SNY, was in the field reporter role and did a great job, but it wasn't what he wanted. He wanted to go a different path. Um, and so, you know, so he he left and they put him on a different assignment and then he eventually went on to, do, you know, ESPN and, and things like that. And so anyway, the, the job became open. They interviewed me for it, but they kind of knew like what I was about because I was on the network a little bit. So but I had no audition. I had one interview with Kurt Gowdy Jr., who um, it was great. We had a great talk. And I thought I thought nothing of it. I really truthfully didn't think of getting the job. I just thought it was cool that they took the time to interview me. I really did. And then I got the call and, uh, from my agent at the time, and I was like, um, hey, you got the job. I'm like, what job? <laughs> it's like, uh, the Mets job. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I mean, I, it was that I mean, it was that one interview, and I truly just think, didn't think I had a shot in the world of getting it, so I just put it out of my mind. Um, so, yeah, I was floored when I got it. And, you know, obviously that was a pretty big turning point. I mean, you're doing that for eight years, and uh, uh, just, yeah, it was, it was great. We all love getting to meet our heroes in this business or inspirations to get into the business, but then to work alongside them is kind of another story. What can you tell us about getting to know Gary Cohen more and then really him mentoring you along during those eight years with the Mets? Yeah, well, he, he's just he's just a guy that I always looked up to. And, um, you know, when I was coming up and when I was younger and certainly, you know, still do today uh, and did – when we were working together, you know, the, the best thing is we just became really good friends and I admire him for who he is, but it's just his work ethic is so damn good. I mean, it's the work he puts in and his, his, he's so good at his craft. It's unbelievable. So, you know, to the cool thing about it, I mean, look, I'm a hard worker, so I've never had that issue, but I always wanted to, uh, I always wanted to work hard because I didn't want to let him down. You know, he knows everything you're doing a broadcast he knows everything so when i would join the broadcast when they would you know turn my mic on you know i wanted to come with something that 
either he can continue the conversation or maybe even he didn't know. Um, so, you know, I wanted to put in the work. I forget what everyone else thought, but I wanted him to be impressed. Um, and that's the truth. So it's pretty cool. It's like, you know, when you're, you know, it's like you're playing golf with somebody, you're playing somebody who's really good. You don't want to get embarrassed, you know, so you want to kind of hold your own. So it was, a, it was, a, and it still is a great relationship. I mean, I love Gary. He was, um, so somebody that I look up to, but also someone who would, you know, help me. You know, when I was doing baseball play-by-play, I, I had never done it on tele. I hadn't done baseball play-by-play on television since William Patterson. It had been a long time, um, and I didn't know what I was doing. Um, I, you know, I, I'd done it on radio. It's just totally different. So he would critique me because he obviously his whole history was in radio. So he would help me out and be like, hey, like this was great. Or, you know, I noticed this. Maybe try doing this. Um, so that's, that speaks to the kind of guy that he is. I mean, I can't say enough about how much fun it was to do that with him. Um, and, you know, I mean, it, we just had a great relationship. I think that's, you know, we all did. I think that's why the broadcast part of it, why it works so well, because we all were really close and really respected each other. So when you had those opportunities to do Mets spring training games or some fill-in work for Gary during the regular season as a play-by-play announcer, just how much did you enjoy those assignments and it kind of light the fire even more for you to take your next step? Yeah, I mean, I loved it. It was fun. I mean, I, you know, of course I wanted to do uh, more play-by-play, but I mean, I, I never had an illusion that that was in the cards with Gary because he's a workhorse. He doesn't take off too often. So, I, you know, I, I did a ton of spring training games, and then I did a handful of games each year, which was great. Um, and then Fox started using me here and there to do a game or two, like a Met game or two that was on Fox. They would have me do it. And, and so I was really just wanted to do more just to get reps to get better. Um, so, yeah, I totally – I totally cherish those, but I really liked, you know, the ability to be versatile. I cherish the ability to do play by play, to do the field reporting and to studio host. Like I, you know, people earlier in my career, like, well, you got to pick one, you got to be good at one. And I didn't believe that. And, um, you know, now I, I do all those things and, and I think that's why I'm here. So, you know, I, I'm a big believer in that in diversifying. Um, so yeah, I, I, Roger, I enjoyed doing the play by play, but I really enjoyed doing all of it. Um, I think it, you know, I think it made me a better broadcaster. What were some of the tips that Gary did give you or some of the things that you were thinking about when you were first entering that play by play realm with the Mets and then doing some fill and stuff with the, with Fox, what were some things that you were working on that you were trying to iron out? Well, I think you just have to find your own style. You know, um, with other sports like, say, football and basketball, um, you guys know, you know, there is a there's a cadence, there's a clock, there's a timing. Um, so, yes, you have to have your own style there, of course. But there's also a structure where it's like, ba ba ba. you know, you talk, analyst talks. There's structured times for the most part when that normally happens. Uh, baseball, there's not. Um, baseball, there's none of that. It's the complete opposite of that. So. You, know, you you have to find your comfort level. There's so many elements to it. Your, your comfort level in uh, the cadence of the game, in storytelling, in when to talk, when not to talk, um, in you know when to use stats, when not to use stats, all of that. It's just different. Um, so for me, it was really just finding the comfort level. You know, I, I always thought I was pretty decent at it, but then it was just getting better. So, you know, really, I mean, honestly, it took me till, you know, maybe – two years ago when I really felt like, okay, like this is like, 
now I'm now I'm now I feel really good where where I am. Like I kept tinkering every year a little bit, whether it was with prep or certain things I did on the broadcast. And I think that's good. I think we always should be tinkering, right? Like we're always trying to get better. So it was just an ongoing thing. It's just a different. It's just way different than doing the other sports. Um, and I hadn't done much of it on TV. So it was really about finding the cadence and your comfort level and things that work for you. You know, I think there's a lot of copycats. I think that's the worst thing you could do. I think you have to be yourself. Um, you know, there's some people that have a signature call and that's totally cool. I don't really have one. Um, and I never, I never thought about one. Um, so that's just me. I didn't really, it wasn't my, my jam. So, um, you know, I think you just have to be you, you have to find what works for you. So that was like the thing and just really, you know, Gary was good about like mechanical things and certain things about, Hey, do this, or I would avoid this or watch out here. You know, like I would call. I don't know if you guys have ever done this, but, you know, never had this problem on radio, but with TV, you know, I would almost anticipate something happening early mm-hmm. on. So let's say a guy hits it in the gap. I'm, oh, it's going to be a double, right? Well, you know, one time, you know, I, I basically call the guy's got a double and he almost gets thrown out. So, you know, they're like, all right, you gotta, you gotta wait till he's there. You know what I mean? We're in radio reality. No one's seeing it. So you can kind of <laughs> do that and, you know, kind of fudge it a little bit. You know, so it was just like little things like that, timing things, all those things that you're just constantly working to get better on. And the timing's a little bit different with the NFL, just with the speed of the game. So you said it, you you did your first football on television um, <laughs> with that Jets-Bucks game, I believe it was, at MetLife, yeah. which was a really good game. And that was your first uh, television football play-by-play since college. Were there any other people that you were leaning on at that point in time specifically for football just to get some sort of advice. And Kevin, what what are you telling yourself going into that game and maybe the, the final minutes of such an exciting game like that? Yeah, there was a lot to it. I mean, that you know, I, NFL and Fox is like I, I always dreamed about it. Like I grew up Madden and Summerall. Like that's uh, like I lived for that, you know, in my house. So we were a big football watching house growing up. And so like – so my first game, and then they put me in New York, which, you know, where I'm from. So it was a home game for me, but also more pressure. It's the New York market, right? But in a way, it kind of calmed me because, I mean, I'd been working in New York for years and, you know, and, and kind of had, you know, quote unquote fans and supporters in New York. So I, I felt comfortable with that. So, yeah, I mean, initially it was just, you know, I kind of had a, even though I hadn't done a TV football game since William Patterson, I did a ton of radio football games and I knew what I wanted to do. Like I had watched enough of Pat Summerall and like and to know what I wanted and that was not to talk too much really you know and and like I you know I, I'm big on that like I don't want to over talk and um so I knew in my head what I wanted to do and then really I just relied so hard on uh, Pete Machesk and Artie Kevner, our producer and director who are great and they just gave me not overload just a couple small things to remember and they let me go and you know end of the game it's super close and that's where like a good producer like pete was in my ear just a couple things like all right kiddo remember you know where do they have to get to to kick the field goal keep an eye on timeouts just a couple quick things in my ear like just to to not lose track of because you're like oh my god you're you know you're nervous like your first game you don't want to boss the end of the game on national tv and, and in new york and so um it was just small stuff but just like calming like just a couple little tidbits to kind of you know, get me through it. And then I, you know, and I got through it and it was, a, it was a blast. So I, you know, I was a little nervous at the beginning, just put butterflies really. It wasn't like, I guess, I, I guess by that point I kind of felt ready for it. I wasn't a kid, you know, I mean, I, I had been around a long time. So, if, you know, if I had, 
just come out of William Patterson and got that job, I probably would have been, you know, <laughs> probably would have been soiling myself. But uh, so, yeah, it was but it was great. And then I got through that and I was like, all right, I can do this. Like, you know, I felt really, really good. Sticking with football, can you take us through for a regular season Fox NFL game the week of preparation you do and what's most important for you to put on your board for Sunday? It's a lot. I mean, you guys know. I mean, look, football is a it's a different deal. There's I mean, there's I don't know. I mean, 30 hours of prep that goes into it before you, you know, you do a game whatever it is. Um everyone has their routine. So, in a nutshell, you know, for sake of timing, you know, Basically, when I get on a plane Sunday from where I'm at, I start prepping for the next game. And so I'm going through, I have a database that I keep on all the teams. And so I save notes and save things like throughout the year on every team. So, um, you know, I just start reading a ton. Sunday night, Monday, I just read a ton and go back and go through my database and just take notes, um, read articles, everything I get my hands on. Tuesday, I start watching some of their past games, see what they're doing, see who's playing, um, see like, you know, what personnel packages they use, see maybe the storylines that the other broadcasters have done the last week or two, because I don't want to necessarily repeat those to death because, you know, you're while you're getting every week, the games go to different areas of the country. They're also going to the diehard fan bases. So you don't want to bludgeon the same storyline to death. So just paying attention to stuff like that. And then Wednesday, I'll usually start working on my stuff. So Wednesday, um, I have uh, my friend Matt Park from Syracuse who helps put these boards together for me, like the the skeleton version. He does a great job with it. And and then I, I go through and I, I go, I mean, you know, I go through all my notes through the things that the team send and just flat out Google and put things that I think are interesting in there. I mean, the things that I wouldn't say there's a specific thing for each player that I have. Each player is a little different. Like I, you know, I, 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 I go more for storylines. So I'm not just jamming a million stats in there. I'm going, you know, for what they were, did they lead the league or the last two games? Have they had 20 catches or, um, you know, what's their backstory? Um, my biggest thing is having, by the time the game rolls around, having something on every player because, inevitably the last person on the roster will, you know, block a field goal and return it for a touchdown. And you have to know who that is. So, you know, Wednesday, I'm grinding on that Thursday, grinding on that. Usually Thursday we fly out to the cities and then Friday morning we go to the home teams practice and we get access to their coaches and players, which is great. I mean, we get a lot of insight there. Saturday we do the visiting team and then Saturday night we have a big production meeting with our crew. So we go over, video what we have on tap video for the game that we can use we don't have to but some of the special like things that our crew has made during the week graphics we go over all those uh graphics sorry for these pop-ups on my phone i don't know if they come across on skype but um, i don't think so you're good okay um uh so we go through all these uh graphics and, and, and everything and then we just talk about it, like hey do we like this do we like that you know, if I'm like, ah, I don't love that graphic because I think it's I don't really think it's, in, you know, displays how they've been playing or whatever. We toss it. So and then like and then we're ready for the game. We wake up and do the game and it's, it's like studying for a midterm. If you studied and like you're ready, the game is a blast and it's fun. Like you're ready to go. And there's just constant communication. The difference with radio and TV is radio. You're just, it's you basically. And in television, it's a team like constant communication. Your analyst, sideline person, producer, director. People are constantly talking to each other. What do, we, what do we want to do next? All right, after this play, we're going to do this. We've got a game break here. We're going to roll this packages. And after this play, if it's not a big play, 
it's just constantly like talking like to make the broadcast good so the team element is really really fun but Dan, the bottom line is the preparation doesn't stop you know i stop it saturday night because otherwise you, you could just go over the cliff you could just read you know and watch to the cows come home um because the information is overload so i saturday night when i go to bed that's the end of it i don't prep it all sunday morning i just show up to the game uh that's kind of the way to clear my mind sorry that's a long-winded answer but hopefully it answered the question yeah it's exactly what we wanted and for me my final question is uh you mentioned television such a team thing that's why i love calling games on t- on tv so much what's the best way for you to be a good teammate any tips on being a really good teammate as the play-by-play announcer to help make sure you're helping set up everyone else and making sure they can do what they want to do yeah i think the biggest thing is to listen uh you know i, I think everything we do in this industry is people listening or not listening right so Number one, you have to listen to your analyst and know what they want. The most important thing is your analyst. You have to listen to what they're saying and also know what's important to them. You know, if they if they maybe miss a point or they they start talking about something and something big happens, get back to it, you know, later in the game. Um, So you have to listen. Uh, And then the other thing which took me a while is just it's also like, you know, no matter what is going on behind the scenes and we all work together, you're the one that's spitting it out. So if you don't believe in something or you don't want to do something, at least, you know, for me, I, I'm like, I don't want to do that because I'm the, it's coming out of my mouth, you know. So I think it's important, A, to listen to your analyst, certainly your producer, director. That's huge. But then I think you have to have your own voice like you're you know, you're it, it is you who's in front of the mic and on camera. So if you don't feel convicted about something or some feature that you want to run or whatever, then I don't think you should run it, you know? So it's, I think it's all those things. But if you're asking me the number one, it's got to be listening. I think there's so many people, especially young broadcasters, that don't listen to who's next to them. And that is maybe the gravest mistake you can do in this industry, in my opinion. That's one that I think about every time I watch back a TV game that I do is that I, I sometimes I tend to just go on to another point <laughs> after an analyst says something that that really enhances a broadcast. But um, final one. But for it's me, hard, Kevin. though, right? Yeah, now, it is. You're, yeah. you're thinking about, OK, where I got to go next. And like there's a lot going on. Maybe your producer's telling you, hey, go here next. So you, you're trying to traffic. Co- it's hard. It's not an easy thing, but it's mm-hmm. it's a must. And this is a good way to wrap it up, Kevin. Advice to someone who hasn't had an easy ride in this business, it hasn't gone the way that they wanted, uh, how do they stay positive to their dreams and accomplish everything, say, that, that you have at a network level? They know they can get there, but they just haven't had the breaks. What's the advice for that person? I think the the – look, I think the most important thing is to – there are two things that go hand in hand. I know it's a little bit cheesy, but you, you truly have to follow your dreams. Like all three of us would not be doing this if we weren't big sports fans and didn't dream of calling the big game and just being involved in some way with sports, right? I mean, that, that's why we're all doing this. So I think you have to follow it no matter how hard it is, no matter the bumps you hit along the road. Um, it's hard. It, you have to have thick skin. You're going to get told no a lot. There's going to be a lot of doors closed in your face. going to be a lot of doors that will never open. It's a very difficult thing. Um, but there's, you'll never work a day in your life. I mean, you, you know, we, we get to, we get to play in the, in the toy bin, you know, that's, we get paid for that. Um, so I, I think the only caveat to that is, is being true to yourself, right? Like there's a point where <clears throat> maybe you've been doing it for a long time. Like I was, and you know you're down on yourself like i was and you have to have 
put it this way. If you're confident in yourself, if you if you can be true to yourself, be like, you know what, I, I really am confident in my ability. I, I think I'm good enough to do this. Then you have to keep going because, you know, for me, I just didn't want to get to be, you know, 60 years old and regret it. Like if I if I if I went hard and just failed and I, I thought I got to the end of my rope and like I'm doing something else, I would have been totally cool with it. But if I gave up, like when I went to sell the cars, I would have been so regretful the rest of my life. So you just don't want to have regrets. You get to the point where it's not working for you or you, know, you want to make different money or, you know, family things change. Well, okay, well, that's that's fine. You move on and um, and that's okay. But I think as long as it's in your heart, um, I, I think you have to push forward. It's just, it's just a special industry. Um, that may be a little cheesy, but that's truthfully how I've always felt about it. What a great way to end things. Uh, Kevin, we certainly appreciate your time on Broadcaster Hour today, and we can't wait until the next time we get to hear you call a game again, whether it's baseball or yes. the NFL. We really are looking forward to it, but it's certainly thank you for your time today, Kevin. Well, let's all three of us be calling games again soon, huh? I mean, I would really, <laughs> really, really like that. <laughs> no, guys, I appreciate you having me on, and listen, best to you. And Kyle, it's good to talk to you again, buddy. Uh, continue success to both you guys, okay? Thanks so Thanks, much, Kevin. Kevin. And thanks for watching this week's episode of Broadcaster Hour.